Hello and welcome to The Huddle. Liam Santa Maria with you. We're a couple of days into free agency. A couple of signings popping off here and there, but we're also still just a couple of weeks out from the champions being crowned, the Sydney Kings, uh, claiming their fourth title, breaking their 17-year drought. And to look back on that process, I've got the head coach with me, Chase Buford. So sit back, relax. Up next, Chase Buford. Chase, mate, uh, good to see you, mate. Congratulations. Thanks, Liam. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, how uh, how are you feeling, mate? You took your you took your mum back to the, you took your mum to the airport this morning, sent her off. You had your family in town, a couple of weeks celebrating the championship. Uh, what's the feeling of kind of contentment and happiness right now? Yeah, well, my mom stayed got delayed a week because she got uh, tested for positive for COVID uh, on her uh, exit. Uh, uh, test but it was good to spend another week you know away in the house but around her and uh but no it was great having my both my parents come down for the game um or the final series was it was amazing um but just the the overwhelming takeaway for me has been seeing our guys come together not only that night but multiple times after enjoying each other as a group hearing them talk about what a fun year it was and what it meant to them and you could clearly see the relationships they built um, we're long lasting and um, we'll, we'll, we'll be ever connected from this moment. It's fun, fun to see. Was it, was it fun for you? Ch coaching is a very stressful endeavor. We could see how stressed you got at times throughout the process, but was it a fun season for you? For sure. I mean, there was ups and downs and moments of, of hard, hard stress and moments of, you know, just pure joy. Think about some of the wins we had on the streak and, Jalen Adams dunk and then the rebound. I mean, what fun games like that are the almost every game we played against the Hawks was you just came out at like, man, we lost three of them. And you're like, damn, those are fun games to be a part of. Those are, that's a terrific team. And, um, and yeah, it was a bunch of highs, bunch of a couple lows in there, some growing moments for myself and others, but um, yeah, just a fun, a fun year and a special group to be a part of at the end of the day. So talk us through when the, the, the feeling that you had accomplished the job, achieved the mission of winning the championship. Was it, was it the final buzzer? Was it a minute or so to go when X throws that dunk down off the sideline out of bounds? When was the moment and what did it feel like? Well, it's funny. There was, I think, 40 seconds to go there on the foul line and maybe we're up seven or something. X comes over and starts giving me hugs like he did it, man. I'm like, whoa, 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 go, go finish out the game. It's time <laughs> on the clock. So uh, it was probably pretty late. I think maybe that last possession when they came down and we kind of stalled them out. He kind of got to feeling, all right, this is this is done. So um, high five the coaches and when shook Scott Ross hand because what a terrific job and terrific season he did. You know, they they had a team that was unique in the fact that they came together and played with a real identity and purpose and and it was fun to, to match up against them special for me on a personal level to play against josh majad who i think is the world of and um gosh josh adams what a fun player he was to watch in those final few games i mean didn't think he could miss at times and uh <laughs> no it was just it was it was a cool moment again i think there's a shot of me when the confetti comes down i look what's stunned more relief than anything that we just we got it over the line at the end of the day i gotta be honest um None of our eyes went to you when the confetti came down. We're all looking at Jordan Hunter. Jordy, yeah, exactly. No, uh, his antics are, are classic as always. But um, no, we look forward to getting him making more highlights on the other side of the, the lines next year. 
Uh, you talk about Josh Majet, Josh Adams, the the Jack Jumpers. I mean, did Josh was Josh Adams keeping you up at night during that series? Yeah, you know, it's it was a little bit reminiscent of the Brooklyn series last year for the Bucks. It was like you know, sometimes you just have to tip your hat to a guy if he's going to make shots like that and and try to do what you can to contain everybody else. But um, we were trying to show bodies and do what we could, and he would just pull up and you know, body contorting to the left or the right didn't matter overhand, and so. Um, I thought we played good defense some on him. Some he, he got free, but gosh, man, what a player and stepped up in big moments. The beauty of um, a job like mine is every year you under um, underappreciate people early. It just happens. Otherwise, you're just kind of blowing smoke up everybody, right? When when Josh Adams hit, when I had the 22 made threes against Illawarra midway through the season and he hit some just ridiculous ones i did some like pausing and screenshotting on how the how his body was contorted and i was like nah this this is that was a game like that was that happened that night but this is not a thing but in both of those series he just managed to keep doing that it was unbelievable throughout the season i mean his body control on tough finishes or on threes is insane i mean uh, you very unique skill that he has to be able to still make shots lean in and, and jumping sideways it's it's really impressive and you know it's hard to guard when you can do do something like that you talk about um, when the confetti was coming down um take us take us behind the scenes behind the curtain through the celebration so from the moment paul smith sings his song and loses his biscuits in the locker room to the monday morning when you and chris and luke closed the doors and got back to business from free agency take us behind the scenes behind closed doors into the celebration yeah unfortunately there's probably a lot more business going on still even in the days after but um no it was fun the, the night of was great got to spend a lot of time with guys meet people's families you know share drinks share just fun memories from the season um and then and the guys stayed out you know all together someone's the casino next night they were out again we had a nice uh, deal at the beach hung out again that, that was the cool moments when you got to see them all want to come back and hang around each other and just sit for hours and talk and um you know share some emotional moments it was fun and went to the swans game together uh got to take the adams family out to see some afl footy which was great even though they beat down uh essendon i think is how we, how we say it but uh, uh we don't need to talk about that too much yeah no uh it was it was fun and <laughs> just to, to see ian you know just attached to the ball, you, a guy who's won a championship and the fact that he was that connected to this group for two and a half months um, was just really cool. Were blokes trying to get the ball? Just saying like, hey, just give it up for a moment? No, I mean, it, it was it was OG's ball from the get-go, so everyone <laughs> knew to keep their hands off. Who was, uh, who was best on ground? Who celebrated? Who was the most impressive celebrator overall? Yeah, I think Angus was was going at it pretty hard the the mm -hmm. full celebration of the week. Every every time I saw him, he was on cloud nine. So uh, they were all, I think, getting after it, having a good time. You talk about um, the cool moments of seeing them want to come back together, that meeting their families, some of the conversation. What was the coolest moment over that seventy two hour period for you personally? Was was there a conversation that you had with somebody that you'll you'll remember? You know, I think a couple moments with Brucey, just intimate emotional conversations talking about, you know, the year he'd been through and where it came from and to be the first uh, person from Horsham to, to win an NBL title. And, you know, some of the good players have come out of there. He's 
really proud. And I think it's a culmination of his long and, and you know, non-linear journeys at ups and downs and um, to come out the end and to play such a huge role in those final two games. You know, there's a couple of times we saw how much it meant to him. And it's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just great to, to have him around. He, of course, played a huge role in those last couple of games because he didn't have the MVP. You just maybe has flown a little under the radar, the fact that you swept that series without the MVP on the floor for the last two of those games. How do you reflect on what you guys needed to do without Jalen on the floor and the accomplishment of getting that done? Yeah, you know, I think the nice thing a little bit is the game plan didn't have to change too much. It was really going to be a series where Jalen needed to get off the ball and find X and Rel. And we saw, especially in those last two games, when we got them involved, we needed, you know, that was when we were at our best. And um, so Ian came in and was able to do that and Brucey came in and, and they were able to do those things and um, did it at a really high level and then X and Rel obviously were fantastic at the rim on the other side of it but um, obviously having Jalen would have been a terrific help out there and uh, it was you know when Kev came to me at the end of game one and told me uh, he's not coming back this game and I knew it was a hamstring I was like oh that's not good and for a second it was like I gotta focus you know my mind is just with you know the Jalen situation and yeah. um you know take 30 seconds and you're like all right we got to get back to the game and luckily our guys were were focused and, and were able to go get it done but um no it's you know he's been such a huge part of our success it's definitely doubt creeps in your mind you got to go win in a hostile environment in game two in Tasmania and um then you know that took every ounce of guts we had to just stumble across the line DJ hit a huge shot you know, tough, you talk about tough shots, Josh Adam, that's a 27 footer leaning away with a hand in your yep. face. So with the game on the line, it's big. So, um, but no, it's, it, it speaks to the resiliency of the group. They, they are a tough, tough bunch. And when things haven't been gone well, when they have gone well, they've just wanted to be tough and work and compete. And, and that's who they've been about all year. I was thinking about um, the overtime win over Illawarra in Illawarra late in the regular season. And Jalen goes down with the cramps and doesn't play OT. DJ obviously had a massive game that night, but what Ian and Jarrell did in that overtime period to get you over the line. Do you think that you guys took some, some confidence from that experience to know, yeah, Jalen was huge for us getting our season back on track earlier in the year in terms of fourth quarter execution, but we're at a whole nother level now collectively where we can actually do it without it. Yeah, that overtime was fun because it was probably one of the best executing stretches we had all year. We ran a couple things to perfection and got great looks, finished off. And we also got some offensive rebounds, which are just backbreakers at the end of the game. And we're not a high offensive rebound team. We preach going, but the way we set our team up, sometimes we're not in as many advantageous positions to go chase them and um, for our guys just to be willing to compete. I mean, the one that started it off in overtime when Jalen is on the floor, he can barely move and he jumps up. And, and tips one, and, and that's the last thing he could do. He, he, he fairly hobbled down the court after that, but he was willing to go out jump. Uh, I think it was Rattan Mays to get the ball to Ian for the three. And that, that game, I think, solidified our confidence that in any building against anybody, you know, we backed ourselves and we could, we could get it done. You spoke about X before. My goodness, grand final MVP. What, what do you think of that, Black? I mean, terrific. I came into the year really excited about him obviously you know got to know him more the more I watched and um just from the get-go you could see what a talented person he is at the beginning of the year I think I have to try to shoe him in and maybe in a three so we could play some of our big log jam and then injuries and everything changed and quickly we realized although oh, no, X and Jarrell are a pretty good pairing we should ride that as much as we can 
And, um, but no, his unselfishness and his evolution, you know, early in the year, he was shooting a lot of threes and maybe trying to prove that he could do certain things or, and then he just started focusing on, and, you know, Florida and I talked about, it wasn't necessarily a, a conversation, just a kind of a series of events where we tried to help him see the way we wanted to, and the way it was best for him to go dominate a game. And he started embracing that was just took off. I mean, that middle third of the season, end of the season, he was unstoppable. Defensively, he can change a game at the rim. He can push the pace. He just, he does so much for our team. And um, it was great to see him get rewarded with that at the end of the year. Uh, you, after the championship was won and you were sitting in the post-game presser and X had the net hanging around his neck, you spoke about him as a leader. Um, there were different types of leaders. You had a number of them on your roster, um, but you said he was our guy and we followed him from go to woe. T tell us about him as a leader within your group. Yeah, you know, it's. I think X still views himself as young and trying to prove himself and, and not quite there yet. So he he probably feels a little bit of a burden if that's the case, you know, in terms of being a captain or being a leader. But it was it was clear early that our team followed him. In practice, we followed his energy. In, in games, we followed his energy. And um, he is a great leader in games. He speaks up in huddles. He's You know, his dad's been around the game. He knows the game so well. He's such a smart player, which you see on the floor. And he's willing to impart that both in practice and games. And um, you know, I think getting to see him evolve into feeling confident and feeling like he is, you know, the guy on the team we look to Jalen, yeah, he scores, he gets everybody involved offensively, but I think X is our motor and we feed off his energy for sure. And, um, yeah, he's just, he's a fun guy to be around. He's, he's, he's like, good, good for a laugh. He, he likes to joke. He likes to have a good time. And, um, we just love having him on our team. Um, you spoke before about his three point shooting and what, what he was trying to do earlier in the year. Um, his and then his unbelievably varied skill set. What do you think his his future is? He's going to explore his NBA opportunities this off season, but what do you think uh, lies in front of him for the next little while? Yeah, I mean, I, for me, he's an NBA player. Uh, he's he's super talented. You look at some of the guys that are in the league. He could he could fill a lot of roles, um, and he could do so many different things. Like we talked about, he's very versatile, both defensively and offensively. Um, and learning how to play when shooting is not your forte is something he's grown into. And I think he can, there's guys in the NBA for a long time that have dominated games offensively when they may haven't been able to shoot and not that he can come in and necessarily do that right away, but um, to play alongside good players, you're going to have to figure out how to space the floor one way or the other, whether it's with movement or screening or cutting. And I think X can provide that. And so I think he'll, he'll continue to grow as a player and a shooter and, and all those things, but, I don't see any reason why he can't come in and impact a game positively right from the get-go. Do you think, though, he has the potential to become like a reliable guy from long range? I look at a guy like Mitch Creek, for example, made it to the league, um, and you can never, ever take that away from Mitch Creek. But, you know, he's back in the NBL now, and he's not, you know, he hasn't been able to, to, to play an extended period of time in the NBA. And the reason that the time was because he didn't have that in his game. The, the funny thing is he does now. You know, in the NBL, you can't leave him open. He's a high 30% um, three-point shooter. He's got the confidence to, to take it and, and make it. And, and X, I think back to when he came out of college, he played over in Germany, shooting 40% from three in the, in the Bundesliga. Um, but then back in the NBL, he, there's been stretches where he started to kind of grow in confidence and started to knock that down. And he hit some big shots in some big moments for you guys in your championship campaign. Do, do you think he has the potential 
in the next couple of years to make a bit of a leap in that regard? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's got unbelievable touch. You see it around the rim all the time on his little touch floaters and everything like that. He's, he's such a coordinated player in person that he's able to manipulate the ball in ways he wants to. And it's probably led to maybe some uh, inconsistent shooting mechanics because he is able to manipulate the ball in so many different ways. You think back to the shot he makes to end the Adelaide half where it's kind of like a half court turn and heave and he drains it. It's like he's got an uncanny feel to get the ball you know, where close to where he wants it off of passes, off of shots and things like that. But um, he's, he's got the ability. He just needs to, you know, tighten up some mechanics. And I think he, he's got all the ability in the world to become a great shooter. You talked about Ian Clark before. Man, what an unbelievable midseason pickup. Um, we spoke about him on overtime the other day. And I said he's one of the best ever in, the, in NBL history as a midseason pickup. Bryce Cotton is the best with what he did in 2017, but to come in and do what Ian Clark did in game three, 22 points, 19 of those in the second half. Um, what can you say about the impact that he had on your team and that championship win? Yeah. I mean, all 22 in the last second half in two seconds, because he makes that one shot to send us into halftime with a little right, juice. But no, he, he's just he's such a confident player um, that he backs himself in those big moments. And you saw it come out many times over in, in big moments. But um, from the get go, his, his competitive spirit, his leadership, again, another guy who had been trying to be the young guy who was trying to make it improve himself and earn his way. And now he's the, the older you know, one of the only two over 30s in our group and um, guys really fed off. They, you know, he could tell he was blown away how excited they were to learn from him and his experiences and what's it like to play with Durant and Curry. What are they like? What are their work habits like? And he was just so giving with uh, his time, his his personality, his knowledge of the game. Um, and it was great to, you know, have a guy like that come into your group mid-season. Can you take us back to that stretch when after RJ Hunter had gone down and you guys were deciding who to bring in? And no doubt you and Chris and Bogues and Luke, and you're looking at a variety of different guys who are available at that point um, about the decision-making process that led to, to Ian coming in. I mean, did you know him personally? We've heard about, you know, and we assume that there was a level, a huge level of involvement there from Bogues. How did that process take place behind closed doors? Yeah. CP was hard at work finding because it was tough. You know, there was a time when, everybody was getting called up. It was COVID call-ups left and right. And so no one wanted to miss their chance to play in the NBA, especially if they hadn't been there before. Um, and on top of that, it was trying to get people in the country. And, you know, that timing was, you know, delicate at the same time. And um, part of the thing with Ian, he'd, he'd gotten stuck in quarantine in a Chinese hospital for 50 days in his stay there. And yeah, it was scarring for him. And he was definitely not looking to have to go through something like that again. But um yeah, his names kind of came through and, you know, we were trying to just find the right fit. Maybe there was better scores or things like that, but we felt we had a good gel with our starting five, especially. And we really felt our, our biggest hole was somebody who could score and provide some playmaking off the bench. And um, when Chris shot Ian's name across me, I was like, well, that's, that's a pretty intriguing name. And he was, you know, we were a little concerned that he hadn't played a ton the last couple of years, but, you know, some bad experiences in China and, it's been a weird couple of years for everybody in that regard. So, um, and we got him in a workout. We watched uh, the video and shot looked good and everybody's character references were off the charts. And um, we saw that come through right away. And 
that was a huge part of what we wanted to do, bringing in someone who was going to help the quality of our group, the character of our group. Um, he did that immensely. Mm, the way he kind of accepted that role, excelled in it, and then was ready to step into a, a bigger or different role at different times was unbelievable. 50 days in a Chinese hospital for quarantine. Yeah, it was, again, it, you could tell it sparked him. But, you know, to, to that point, like Ian was someone I, I talked to on the phone before he got there, like, hey, we might be looking to someone to come in and, and provide a bench role. And that was the last time we talked about his role as starter bench. You know, he starts the year, Jalen comes back and playoffs, he goes back to bench. You know, Jalen comes out, he goes starting again, and he just he never phased him one thing. And I, I just trusted that he didn't need that conversation because he was locked in and ready to go. And he showed that in spades. Wow, that's cool because – you know, I would talk about it in broadcast over the course of the second half of the season about, um, you know, the way you guys would play through him when Jalen would would have a rest, okay? So in the half court, now the ball would find its way back to Ian and then late shot clock, you're operating through him. You guys didn't have to, to have to talk through that. He just had a, a sense, his basketball IQ clicked in and in, in sort of uh, engaging with that role. Yeah, again, we had a great talk uh, before he came over, kind of what we were hoping to get. You know, and he just, that was the last time he needed to hear it, I suppose. It was wow. funny. His first practice coming off the plane, you know, an hour and a half later, it was rough. And I was like, oh, man, let's hope that was the plane. And then right the next day, you could see, okay, now this guy, he can hoop. And uh, it was great. Um, right that first Brisbane game, he doesn't play, but he's celebrating, going nuts when Jalen Dunks it. He's talking yep. on all the huddles and, and engaging guys. It was great to see. Perfect. Um we talked about him and what he did in game three. Uh, should should you have been coaching game three, do you think? I mean, I had those thoughts to myself. Uh, it was kind of a, a very tumultuous inner 36 hours or whatever. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel very good about myself at all. And um, I felt I owed it to the guys, you know, I, you know, if they weren't going to suspend me, I'm not going to leave them hanging. So um, I'll deal with the, the guilt or whatever later. And, but um no, I'm, it's a fair question, I guess. I don't have a great answer for you. Did um, who who would have who would have coached game three if you were suspended? Yeah, we we'd had a setup where what we talked about early in the year would have been Fleur based on the the frame kind of who Scott it was and who would okay. take over. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, it'd probably been a conversation that we'd all had. She'd have been great if, if called upon, capable. If, if not, uh, Kev would have been a, a great capable option as well so i'd have felt really comfortable but i don't think one it was fair to them or to the, or the guys to to pull myself out at that moment although it definitely the thoughts came to my head so did kev's cuddle i'm gonna call it a cuddle <laughs> did that swing you into the led or did he prevent a bigger haul yeah you know i uh i told kev i think it's your fault i was just going for the air punch and you got my way so i had to follow through with some limb and no, uh, I, it was it was just a, a brain fart moment, and I was I, I didn't feel there was possession, and the clock was already starting low, and I went mm -hmm. over to the to the video, and it confirmed that to me. So I was like trying to get Vaughn's attention to get him in the ear, and he's like, "Did one talks." So it's kind of just you know you saw what happened. Yeah, um, it's all part of your coaching journey. You've spoken about that, um, and 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 taking opportunities like that to grow. Speaking of your coaching journey. How would you say you're a better coach now 
after the experience of your first season in the NBL and that championship campaign, then when you and I sat down and coached short uh, and chatted shortly after you arrived nine months ago. Well, I think I've certainly got a lot of work to do, you know, this summer on the emotional side of the game. And I feel I do a good job carrying my team in some moments, but I definitely, you know, have moments where I, I let them down and I, I don't want to do that. And, but I think from where it is I have grown, I think, the, the biggest thing is the pressure the FIBA game puts on you, not only with when you can call timeouts, but also the way people are going to pressure you in the backcourt after most timeouts or most free throws or most bakes and um, kind of learning that process as the game went on, learning how to attack different coverages in a more efficient way and how we can do that out of the offense. And that was the fun part to see. I think we got to the playoffs and we felt we had a variety of ways we could attack different mat matchups or look at different coverages and, and we could pick it up on the fly and, and our guys knew what we were trying to do. Um, but it took a long time to get there. As you saw early on, the offense was a disaster. And I think yeah. there was some probably loss in transition and my hopes and the players trying to grasp all that and where we wanted to get to. But the more we started attacking the pain, especially, and we understood that the reason you play with all that spacing is to open up the middle of the lane and to, to go put pressure on the rim that way. And we started to grow and, and Jalen was a huge part of that too. He's able to, to get in the paint and make things happen. So I want to circle back to what you're talking about there, the X's and O's of the journey that your team took throughout the season and, and you as a coaching staff and as a head coach. But I just want to linger on the point you made before about the emotional side, because I, I find it interesting. Coaches always say <clears throat> um, to be the best head coach you can possibly be, you got to be yourself can't pretend, try to be something that you're not or try to pretend to be someone that you're not because your players, you got to be genuine. And you're an emotional guy. You're a passionate guy. And I see the fact that side of you was resembled in your team, like the, them barking on the podium <laughs> and that the, the, the slogan of being dogs and, and that came from you. So how do you kind of... Um, juggle that moving forward, the desire to control your emotions and not let them down, as you say, in some of those moments, but at the same time, stay as close to that line as possible and be true to yourself. No, I mean, and that's the, the thing you talk about, being close to that line. Um, I go, the Adelaide game comes to mind. I, I wasn't feeling great, but I just sat there and I don't, I, I felt so like I let the team down so bad at the end of the game because I just wasn't myself and, and CJ outcoached the hell out of me. And their guys were terrific. And um, but I, I feel like I'm at my best when, like I said, I'm hyper charged mm. and I'm right, you know, kind of head close to the line. And mm. that's when I'm engaged and my brain's working the fastest and, and the best. But there's a point that you go too far. And I've done that now more times than I care to admit. And not only the moments that are talked about, but other times I just have childish reactions and immature reactions to things and I just I need to to learn and grow how learn how to be better and, and uh, understand when those moments are coming and how do I again push the line of being engaged and being up as, as sharp as I can be but not focused on things that I are out of my control who, who played a role in refocusing you on game three Luke RC your fiance like who helped you get back to the headspace you needed to be in for game three yeah cp and i wrote to the building that morning together and you know i'd shared that i was you know mentally a little messed up about it and 
he, he helped me, but I think, you know, Luke was another one, you know, try to go enjoy it. Like it's, this might not, not come around very often, go have fun, try to enjoy it. And, you know, you're going to have to grow. You got to get better, but it's not, you know, right now there's a game to win and you got to go do that. So. Well, let's get, let's get back to the team that I wrote about this moment last week after the championship win that take us back to that locker room in Brisbane, mid January round eight. Um, incredible that we have, we can watch the footage of you in there. It's an amazing access that the club provides. You are just a, a picture of frustration. Um, and you were talking about the fact that you were the best, the better team game after game in the early part of the season, but you were letting it slip away. Um, you said in that locker room, remember this moment as the catalyst for our season turning around. When you look back on it, was was that the moment where everything changed for you guys? Yeah, I mean, we had to, to back it up for sure. And I think coming out 36 hours later, um, against Brisbane, the same team at home, and, and we kind of blew them, blew them out a little bit and played one of our best games to that point. Um, and then the next week was the, the Perth week. And that, yeah. that film session Monday morning was when we showed the, the video of the college football coach talking about dogs and, you know, we need more dogs. And it was, it was kind of funny in a, in a laugh moment, but um, we really embraced being the dogs to Perth cats that week. And that was like kind of, you know, they got some cool cats and if you let them be comfortable they'll strut their stuff but um you know cats don't like being chased by dogs and that was kind of where we, we talked about being dogs on the ball but i think that's the week that that identity or mindset really started to sink in and um really took off from there so that's funny because uh we're all talking about fourth quarter execution right and the fact that you the offense was drying up a little bit at that time but you in that locker room were saying yeah it is we've got to make sure we're getting good shots but even in that moment, you recognize actually it starts with our defense. We, we get, we're giving up 30, a fourth quarter at the moment. And if we continue to do that, we won't, we won't win. And you'd, you, we could see from the preseason, you guys, we loved all your, your grab and go, your high tempo, spread the floor, positionless basketball offense. But you guys were a top ranked defense. And anytime you want to play that way, of course, you have to be an elite defensive team to generate those opportunities. So you went off that week onto the practice floor and got straight on what you wanted to do defensively. Pretty much. I mean, it's funny. I think with the film review, I was maybe paralyzing the guys over the year showing negative clips at the end of the game, like what we were doing wrong. Um, and I scrapped it and I was like, all right, we're just going to focus on what got us there and the good things and start showing what we need to continue to do at the end of the game. So the offense is something as a coach, you know, you try to get different looks and sets that you can use, but at the end of the day, you don't want to overcomplicate things. Let, let these guys go be players and then try to let their talent show. And we had a lot of that. So my job is probably to get out of the way more than anything and um, focus on what you can't control, which is how you guard as a team and, and doing those things together. So defense was, was always our mantra every year. We'd start every practice, every film session with a defensive minded drill or, you know, everything was defense first. We'd score things, defense stops a lot of times. And um, you hope that that type of mentality or mindset starts to seep in with a lot of, you know, behind the scenes cues, but um, these guys embraced it at the end of the day, you know, guys like Wani coming out and competing his butt off, you know, we'll miss him a ton, but super happy for him. And he went and got a great deal. And, um, he was perfect fit for this team. You know, he was a hard playing defender that freed up guys like Jalen and DJ um, to maybe not have those tough matchups. And 
alongside a guy like X, um, it's, you know, really tough defensive unit. So about Wani, uh, before we talk about him, a, a little bit more about him moving on, uh, that we talked about that overtime game where you eventually got over the Hawks. He was having a tough night that night on Tyler Harvey. He didn't have a lot of nights over the course of the season where a guy kind of got a hold of him. Later in that, in that second half, Jalen, you switch it. Jalen puts his hands up and says, I want to guard him. How did you how did you get Wani back to the headspace he needed to be in to be that guy for you in the last couple of rounds and in the in the in the playoffs? Well, you know, it's it's a couple of things. Like one, I told him, hey, you know, we know you're not playing for offense, so you got to get out there. If you're going to be out there, you need a guard, and, and, right. and you got to perform, and that's part of it. Um, but I, t- I think I told him, you know. We, I compare him to Bruce Bowen probably unfairly all the time, but that's, you know, what I know, the guy who was the defensive stopper signed to guard the Kobe's and the T-Max and yeah. those type of players. And when you're guarding those good players every single night, you're going to have bad nights sometimes. Like they're just going to, they're going to go nuts. And that, and that happens. And um, sometimes, you know, Manu would slide over on those guys just to give them a different look. And, and that's right. what it was. And Jalen's a heck of a competitor. And I probably like held that one in my back pocket too many times this year. Cause he can really, guard the ball when he wants to especially and when he was like I want him I'm like all right you got him so yeah right and, um, and again Harvey still made I mean I think about the shot he made going to the baseline the runner in front of crazy. our bench and we you know our bench is all like heck no and he drains it you know it's it's yeah. such a tough shot by a tough player yeah and then same thing with Josh Adams right like he, that 36 point game in the finals um he got him tough I mean you, what can you do like they're tough Tough looks. You got to get some the 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 mid range pull up uh, pull ups. You got to get some help on those ball screens, and you do the best you can. But sometimes you just got to say, "Hey, Wani, you're doing a heck of a job, mate. Just keep making it tough." I mean, I went back to I'd totally forgotten about the three he hit over Jarrell right in front of my face yeah. in the to tie, cut it to one with you know 40 seconds to go or whatever yeah. it was, and. I watched it. I was like, "Gosh, what a tough shot!" And I mean, there's not much more you can ask a Jarrell there in a one-on-one situation than to to make him take a fadeaway, leaning back two or three. So, um, but no, it's you know, the NBL's got it's full of talent. A lot of good players down here, and, it was, and that was on display all season long. All right, we talk about Wani there. You mentioned Jarrell. Who do you think was the most underappreciated contributor? to that championship. Xavier Cooks, Jalen Adams, Ian Clark, those guys, those guys have all been well and truly appreciated by every everyone and sundry. Who maybe do you think has flown under the radar in that regard? Yeah, Mwani maybe a little bit, but I think it has to be Jarrell. I mean, he comes out. I never run one play for him hardly. He just goes about his business, screens hard, rolls hard, scores, scores off threes. Um, He's, I thought his defense took a huge jump this year, protecting the basket, rebounding, all those things. And um, he just – he does so much, and he was so dependable for us. Other than missing two games because of COVID, dude doesn't miss a minute all year, and his heart yeah. banged up, and he just comes out as a warrior. Um, loved coaching Jarrell. Like, he's just the best guy, best dude to be around every day in the gym, and what a player. Uh, and him in the pocket, I just thought, is a, one of the more tough things to guard in the NBL. Yeah, and you guys made a, a bigger focus of that in game two, coming out of game one, and it paid massive dividends. Eight of eight at one point in that game. He came in in really good shape, better shape than what he did the previous season. And I don't know whether it was my eyes, but when you guys had that COVID break, everyone was having a COVID break, he came out of that in even 
better shape. I don't know. Did, was I seeing that correct? Well, you know, I think he got here pretty early. Everybody was forced to, you know, delay, delay, delay. So we had him on the bike and doing a bunch of things and he had a good, you know, steady progression on top of summer league where he, so he was playing all summer long. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that helped a lot, we play and you know, you saw it early in the preseason, we hardly ever scrimmaged where it wasn't a 14 second shot clock. And, and the guys were, you know, like, man, this is tough. Um, and I think it got a lot of guys into shape and uh, maybe made us play like chickens with our heads cut off a little bit early in the season. But um, we, it's funny, we got away from that. And that was, we felt like our offense was at its lowest. Right. And we, we, we brought it back in. I think that was when we started to find that right balance of playing more, some fast, some slow, and um, just finding that right balance of when to attack and when to execute. Right. Allowed him to be his best because that versatile skill set, that the tough matchup he is at the five spot, he can only make the most of that if he if he's feeling fast, if he can if he can cross you up and and move and, and put his agility on display. And he was able to do that this season. Yeah, I mean, at whatever weight he plays at, he's going to be a strong dude. So yes. the leaner he is, the quicker he is, the 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 more problems he's going to cause any defense. Hey, we're talking about your coaching journey before um scott roth just re-signed an extended deal for another couple of years i mean you have a big bright future ahead of you in the coaching game across the globe but you're committed for next season we saw will weaver came in did cool things with the sydney kings nearly took him to a title but bam he was gone you spoke to me nine months ago saying oh, we've had that conversation with me and paul smith and chris pongrass andrew bogut that we need some stability uh, you could get back onto an NBA coaching staff tomorrow if you wanted to. What's how do you see your time here in Australia and then moving forward and beyond? Yeah, no, I mean I'm I'm committed to helping build something here. I think got a great bunch of people I get to work with, both in the front office with Chris and Luke and Paul and Bogues and everybody, but my coaching staff is is terrific with Florian Cavett and Kicks and Locke everybody. So Toby, uh, um, it's just, it's a fun group to work with every day. So I'm fired up to come back and, and see what we can do next year to, to back it up and go back to back and, and then even beyond. So uh, yeah, obviously getting back to the NBA is something I think about down the line, but Sydney's a great place to live. I love life at the moment, love being here and not, not thinking too much ahead. You know, it's, it's tough sometimes when you see guys you're really close with get mentioned for jobs, it would be pretty cool. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm more fired up than ever to, to continue building this thing. All right, so speaking about that fine line between the NBL and the NBA, how do you bring those guys back? Jalen, X, Ian, Jarrell, DJ. Five big names who potentially could be onto bigger and better things at that NBA level. What's the process with those five in the next little while? You know, it's funny. I probably have a, a different mindset to, to maybe Chris even. And the fact that my whole career coaching journey to this point has mostly been about getting guys from a younger developed state of mind to either more minutes in the NBA, bigger role in the NBA, uh, get to the NBA, whatever it is. And yeah, so that's my focus and seeing guys get paid and seeing guys achieve their dreams is what brings me the most joy. So if, X gets a chance to put on an NBA jerseys next year. There'll be no one more excited for him, maybe other than his parents than I am. So um, same thing if, if Jalen, Jarrell, Ian, those guys get back to play in the NBA, we'd be thrilled for him. And 
Um, if not, we hope we can find a way to make a deal to, to get them back playing for the Kings because they were all huge parts of our team. And I think it's hard to find imports of that quality um, to come play, you know, around the world sometimes. So, um, and it, it, not only that quality of player, but quality of character too. all great guys. And despite Jalen being late for every meeting, he's still a, a pretty unselfish and, and good dude. That was hard. Was, our players, I think, didn't understand it at first. And once they got to know Jalen and know it wasn't toxic or from a bad place, he just, in 30 seconds, he had to be late every time. So <laughs> That's me. Some guys are just always late. They're just fond away. Um, so is it, a, is it a process of just going, okay, well, we'll wait. We'll wait as long as we need to wait with you guys. Or is there, is there offers on the table that say, all right, it's uh, sign with us, NBA out. So if you're not on in the league, you're with us. How do you go about those conversations with these guys? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit of both. And, you know, same time respecting that we just came off a 10-month season and guys have a lot of big decisions to make about um, what their future looks like. And we also have some decisions to make and, you know, keeping the cap at the right number for certain players and certain things. So a lot of moving parts at the end of the day and just try to keep in constant contact with those dudes and see where their head's at and see if we can find a home for them. If not the NBA, then, then here with us. And the reality is, of course, you can never keep the same together, the same group together, especially if you win the championship. People will come for you guys. Uh, they've come for Wani. He's been able to, to um, parlay his role with you guys into a great opportunity um, with the Hawks. Um, my understanding is they're coming for Tommy V. You're going to have a hard time keeping him for next season. Uh, then other guys you, you can retain. Um, Sean Bruce announced earlier today um, that he's uh, you know coming back for, for two years. You're bringing back Angus Glover. Um, how do you, you balance that process with the rest of the roster, the guys that you can keep and the guys that you can't? Yeah, obviously you'd love to, to keep everybody, but you know, like we talked about, sometimes you got to balance the cap sheet and if certain guys have far better offers to, to go play elsewhere, then you have to say congratulations. And, you know, we look forward to seeing you continue your career and, and growing, but um, super appreciative of everything, you know, both Tommy Wani gave to us, they were terrific teammates, terrific um, ambassadors for the club and um, wish them nothing but the best going forward. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, uh, enjoy the, uh, the off season. You got the wedding coming up. Have you been involved in the planning process? Not enough, probably for my fiance's liking. <laughs> she's handled almost everything at this point, pretty much everything. So kudos to her. She's been terrific and all while supporting and holding down the fort here. Um, now it's, it's be fun to see a bunch of, you know, former teammates, friends, coaches, things like that um, for the first time in a long time. My, uh, a good mate of mine gave me some great wedding planning advice. And that was to always have an opinion. You know, when your fiance comes to you with, do, you, do we go with the orange flowers or the red flowers? The worst thing you can do is like, I don't care. I don't it care. doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. You got to have a view. It doesn't mean you got to stick to it. In fact, it's probably best that you're not too locked in on it, but you got to come with an opinion. I, I wish I'd have heard that one about three months ago for sure. <laughs> awesome man well uh good luck with the wedding congrats on on that in advance and uh congrats on the championship season mate um it's been it's been fun to watch and you've uh you've accomplished a whole heap in your first season in the league i appreciate it, liam um thanks for having me on and good luck with the u9s melbourne league coming up <laughs> cheers